thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Listen, here's our prayer that in this uh, season of great joy, that you'll have a whole lot of time to laugh and to be with family and friends. I was uh, looking on social media, and, and one of our church members shared this meme. I, you know, I love a good, funny meme, and uh, although we know theologically Wiseman showed up a little bit later than the manger scene, I, I love, by the way, six days till Christmas. Just so you know, it's on its way. Wait till the countdown starts again next Sunday, okay? So here we go. I love this. If there had been three wise women instead, diapers... Formula and casseroles, right? Isn't that the truth? Now, look, we love the theological significance of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but what if there had been three wise women? Listen, this is a wonderful season of joy, a wonderful season of making much of Jesus, and I pray that you will find all of that in the days ahead. Now, um, from my family to yours, from our Connect Church leadership and staff to yours, hey, we just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And during the season, we've been able to find through Scripture, we've been able to see through Scripture how Jesus can move us from weary to the wonder of His love. How Jesus alone can bring us from our weariness and move us from that weariness to rejoicing in this season of great joy. And today, we uncover one of the greatest weapons against weariness. And that weapon is worship. Is worship. When I speak of worship, especially in the, the context of Christmas, I can imagine what runs through your mind. Maybe images of angels proclaiming the good news of great joy in Bethlehem's night sky. Or to the shepherds who are watching over their flocks by night, coming back praising God for the newborn king. Or maybe it is the three wise men from the east who come with their presence of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Now, while the proclamation of of angels and the praise of shepherds and even the presence of wise men are wonderful acts of worship, still, they are not the greatest acts of worship in the the Christmas narrative. Rather, the greatest act of worship came via a young teenage girl, favored by God. A young girl praised God by the angel and positioned by God to be an integral part of his mission to save the world. In Frederick Buckner's book, a book of character sketches of people from the Bible, he wondered in writing about what might have been going through the mind of the angel Gabriel when he encountered Mary. And in his imagination, he wrote this, that she struck him as the Hardly old enough, really, to have a child, let alone this child. But he had been entrusted with a message to give her, and he gave it. He told her what the child was to be named and who he was to be, and something about the mystery that was soon to come upon young Mary. You mustn't be afraid, Mary, he said. He had only hoped that maybe she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings he had, that he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung on the answer of a young girl. 
Man, I love his writing. I love his imagination. And who knows? Maybe Gabriel was trembling with fear beneath those great golden wings. But on the other hand, there was a God seated upon his throne, not trembling. Rather, he sat there certain of his choice, certain of the character and the courage of Mary. Hey, better yet, he knew that his courage and his character in her could accomplish much. Now, personally, I want to say this. Mary is perhaps one of the most wonderful figures in all of Christianity. In fact, I would argue in the history of the world. And this isn't just because I'm an old Catholic boy. Man, I love her story. I love her faith, and I love her faithfulness to God. And outside of Jesus, I'm not certain that there is a braver, stronger, more courageous person that this world has ever seen than Mary, the mother of Jesus. What we learn from Mary in Scripture is that even in a setting we're going to find in Luke chapter 1, setting that is ripe for weariness, Mary worshiped. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And here's the story, the account, the narrative of Mary. The Bible says this in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, that's, that's Mary's cousin. Now, by herself, this pregnancy is a miracle as well. She was older in age. She was barren. And yet God would bless her with the pregnancy. And that child, John the Baptist, would be the forerunner of Jesus. And so in light of all this miracle working, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. This is the same virgin spoken of all the way back 700 years earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God was us. That is the theological significance of the name Emmanuel. But note this. She's indicated as the virgin will conceive. And now in Luke chapter 1, we have her name. Her name is Mary. And the scripture continues, the account continues in Luke chapter 1. Watch this in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly, now watch this word, favored. We'll see this word again. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Why? Because it was held in the first century that if you were greeted, if you had a messenger of God, an angel sent to you, and you had a conversation with him, what would usually follow soon after was your death. And so as you can imagine, she was a little bit troubled and wondered what would take place. And then we find this, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor, and there it is again, with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him, call him Jesus. Now watch this promise of the angel. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Here Gabriel is connecting the dots for Mary. Hey, by the way, this son you are going to give birth to is the long-awaited Messiah. 
And then he begins to spell this out. Mary asks, how, how will this be? She asked the angel, since I'm a, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit, in some of the most, by the way, beautiful language in all the New Testament, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the very Son of God. In this moment here in Luke chapter 1, a moment that has been celebrated for generations. A moment that is beautiful, that is wonderful, that is powerful enough to change all the course of human history. I think of this moment in Mary's life, and I think, you know, it must have been a little overwhelming for her. It might have an even time caused a little bit of weariness for young Mary. Because we see this word thrown around in this account, this word favor. So let's talk about the favor seen here multiple times in reference to Mary. Oftentimes in American church culture, favor is limited primarily to health and wealth. We've heard it talked about the prosperity gospel, health and wealth. And by the way, I do believe that God blesses us that blesses believers from time to time with wealth, and I believe he blesses us with health, but to pigeonhole, to limit God's favor to purely health and wealth, which is the teaching of the prosperity gospel, is a travesty and uniquely an American invention. Mary and Jesus both would be categorized as failures if health and wealth were the primary characteristics of God's favor. Mary, having no material treasure to speak of, Jesus would say, I don't even have a place to, to lay my head. And to think of this as well, that Jesus' life would end in torture and end on a cross. And, and Mary would spend so much of her time Suffering immeasurable tragedy at the loss of her boy. It doesn't seem much like the favor we try to paint a picture of. In fact, I love this tweet here recently from the provost of a seminary at Union. He wrote this. He said, the king of kings, born among animals, wrapped in smelly clothes, Laid in a feed trough, breathing in dung-filled air, visited by backwood shepherds, the incarnation annihilates the prosperity, the prosperity gospel. And here's what I mean, speaking of favor. Do you know that all little Jewish girls in Mary's day dreamed of being the mother of the Messiah? But never would that come to be. And dream, those dreams crushed at the thought of having such a pregnancy outside of wedlock. Imagine Mary, after this conversation with Gabriel, having to have a conversation with her daddy. Imagine that. Hey, Dad, you won't believe this. There's an angel, shadow thing, and here I am. Listen, is it dad of daughters? I'd find Joseph, right? I'd hunt him down. Imagine having that conversation. What would Joseph think? Her fiancé, legally, they were brought together in betrothal, and now she is pregnant, and it's not his? Surely he would divorce her. By the way, he tried. 
And in that culture, Joseph divorcing Mary meant that financially she was done. She would be destitute if he broke off the engagement and divorced her. Can you imagine the rumors that spread? The minute she began to show. What would the religious leaders think? Because under law, she could be stoned to death for being pregnant outside of wedlock. I think of this time in Luke chapter 1. And God's favor brought her no wealth. His, His favor did not esteem her reputation at the time. Promised her no financial gain. God's favor promised nothing more to her than for her to be used of him to bring forth his son, the savior of the world. Here's all that Mary was certain of. You ready? That she was known, loved, and favored by God, entrusted with his son. And catch this. And that was enough for her. That was enough for this young teenage girl. Aware of this, listen to Mary's response to this message. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me be fulfilled. And then the Bible says the angel left her. And there it is, church. Perhaps the greatest act of worship in the the Christmas narrative. Mary's faith in God, her faithfulness to God, and her willingness to walk in the favor of God with her life was worship. In verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, we find worship in the obedience of a teenage girl named Mary. I love this. Paul would write, paint a great picture of what worship looks like for you and I. In his letter to the church at Rome, he said, Therefore I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The idea that worship is not just done with your, your lips, but with your life. But here's what catches me about Luke chapter 1. Long before Paul wrote it, Mary lived it. Long before Paul wrote it, This teenage girl, she lived it. Church, I want you to hear me. Worship is found in obediently following Christ. Now catch this. Even in the unknown, even in the uncertainty, even if you don't have all the answers, even if you don't know the how or the the why, even if you're scared, even when others don't understand, even through weariness, Worship is found when you and I say, and we serve Jesus. God, let it be. Let it be in our hearts and our lives. Can I share with you perhaps the most dangerous position we can place ourselves in as believers? You know what position that is? That is to say this. Man, I know what God's Word says, but... I know what God's will for my life is, but it's one of the most dangerous places you and I could be. I think of Mary's story. I think of Luke chapter 1, verse 38, and you know wasn't there? Conjunctions. No ifs, ands, or 
but in Mary's reply, only obedience. Here a teenage girl understands obedience better than most of us grown men with beards. She gets it. Think of it. What what an incredible act of God's grace and His favor to bestow on Mary to carry God's Son. But the greatest favor of all in Mary's life was that the child she carried would one day deliver her from her own sin. She's mindful of this from the angel, that she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know what this meant for Mary? For he will save Mary. Even Mary. From her sins. Even you. And even me. Hey, come to think of it, This unplanned pregnancy saved an entire world. John Bloom would write this, and I love it. He says, God was Emmanuel to Mary in a way no one else has experienced and in a way that she was blessed among women. But the most important way God dwelled with Mary was the same way he dwells with all of his children, through faith, as Ephesians 3.17 reminds us. Now listen, I want to give a quick word about Mary. I I was raised Catholic uh, most of my childhood. We love us some Mary. We love her. But I want to say a quick word about her and her place theologically. Adore her. Man, I love her. Admire her. Applaud her. Acclaim her faith. But be careful not to ascribe worship to her. Christ alone is worthy of worship and praise. Mary would not rob her son of any of his glory. In fact, there's a scene in Scripture where Jesus seems to shield his mother from the weight of too much exaltation. And mind you, Jesus loved Mary very much. Watch this play out. This is an obscure scene in Scripture. But as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Hey, by the way, which his mama did. His mama's a shining example of that. I love how one author put it. He said, In Jesus' guarding grace, In a single sentence, he was protecting Mary's true blessedness. And he was protecting us from idolatry. Listen, as a pastor, I agree. As a believer, I agree with the theological conclusion of the Council of Ephesus in AD 431. That Mary is the mother of God. That council met as a declaration they put forth in order to defend The truth that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And I want you to hear me. While Mary is not divine, she is distinguished as one blessed and highly favored of God. Chosen to be the mother of Jesus. And it all began as an act of worship. Being obedient, even as a teenage girl, to God's will and God's word for her life. Like Mary, 
Those who've done the most for God's kingdom were defined by worship through obedience. You see what happens when you and I worship, when we ascribe worship to Christ, our focus is not on us. It's not on our will. Rather, our focus is on Jesus and His will for our lives. So today, we learn from Mary that one of the greatest weapons against weariness is worship. And the question is, will we be obedient to God's Word and God's will for our lives? Hey, will we stop saying the Bible says this, but... Or I know God's will for my life is this, but. And will we simply be obedient to God's will and his word for our lives? No ifs, ands, or buts. Are we willing to pray as Jesus did, staring down the cross? I love this. Watch this in the Gospel of Luke 22, verse 42. As he cried out, not my will, but yours be done. You know, I got to thinking about this prayer that Jesus prayed. And you know who I bet taught him to pray like this? His mama. Because she prayed this all the way back in Luke chapter 1. At the news, she was pregnant with her son. Are you and I at a place where instead of banging our fists on the table, demanding my will be done, Are you and I at a place where we're ready to move from weary to worship and to pray, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life? I'm going to tell you one of the greatest causes of weariness, believer, for your life and mine is the areas in our life we put our fist on the table, we put our foot on the ground and say, "Uh uh-uh. My will be done. My will be done in this relationship. My will be done when it comes to my happiness. My will be done. Perhaps one of the greatest causes of weariness in the life of a believer. And yet, we learn from this young teenage girl how we can move from weary to worship by simply saying, God, Oh, not my will, but your will be done. You see, we move from weary to worship by being obedient. Hey, yes, the proclamation of angels, they're a thing to behold. Yes, the praise of shepherds, man, what a sight and sound. The presence of wise men, man, how cool is that? But the obedience of a child of God to the word and the will of God is the greatest weapon you and I have against weariness. One of my favorite songs is Mary Did You Know. But now listen, you've been on social media at all. It's been under attack this year. With memes like this, hurtful memes. Mary Did You Know? Yes, Gabriel told me everything in Luke 30. Uh, Luke 1, 30 through 33, right? Like, a ton of memes out there. Mary, did you know emphatically, yes, so quit singing the song. But guys, she didn't know it all. Read the account. 
she, she didn't know it all. She didn't know that her son would one day walk on the water. I see Galilee. Hey, she didn't know that her son would encounter blind men and open their eyes and then see. Hey, she didn't know that Jesus would unmute the muted, that paralyzed men would run again. Hey, she didn't know that. Hey, she didn't know the dead people in the grave would come back alive simply at the words of her boy. She didn't know that the seas and even the storms on the seas would cease and obey his words. You know what else she didn't know? She didn't know the hatred he would stare down in the eyes of the religious elite in her day. She didn't know about the unjust trials her son would endure. She didn't know the torture and the beatings that her son would suffer at the hands of professional executioners in Rome. She didn't know of the cross that one day her little boy would hang upon. Yet even in the uncertainty, she worshiped God through obedience. She didn't know everything that would unfold, but she trusted the God who held everything including her life in his hands. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you deliver will soon deliver you mary did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? Oh, and when you kiss your baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know? Oh, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, praises to the Lamb. Your baby boy is Lord of all creation. And Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule our nation? Did you know 
that you'll pay me for is heaven's perfect land and this child that you are holding is the grave I unknown, through the fear, through the weariness, she worshiped through obedience to God her Father. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.